Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. This past week was our church's final Tuesday night fellowship of the summer. This has been our summer uh, picnic on Tuesday evenings where the kids come and play and the adults have a chance to fellowship, and it's been a great, great time again this year. But you will remember we had to cancel our final gathering last Tuesday evening because of the inclement weather. We knew it was going to rain. We were confident it was going to rain. It was supposed to rain. And thus, it was a very, very easy decision that morning as we gathered a staff to make the call to go ahead and cancel Tuesday evening fellowship because of the rain. It was raining as we met. It looked like rain. All of our phones said it was going to rain. Chris Bailey said it was going to rain. Therefore, it had to rain. The problem with last Tuesday evening, here in Lexington at least, was a picture-perfect summer night. There was no rain, there was no storms, there were no clouds. I texted with our team and joked, you know, this would have been a fun night for a church picnic. We should have thought of that maybe. But how is it possible that all of our weather apps were wrong? How could we all get it so wrong for that particular moment? How did we not know the future of the weather? I just want to point out to all the kids who are hoping to have their faces painted last week, I apologize and I take full responsibility to let you know it was Bobby Pepiot's decision. (laughs) P-E-P-I-O-T, Bobby Pepiot. You can go and talk to him. But seriously, we live in the information age. That's what scholars call the world in which we find ourselves. It's a movement which began a couple generations ago, taking us out of the industrial age, beginning with the ability to transit information from one place to the next. That evolved, of course, to the computer age and then personal computers and now the optical technology that exists. It's safe to say that mankind possesses a lot of information, more than ever. And let's be honest, it's kind of fun to have it. We could do DNA testing and learn much about our ancestry. We can read the news from all around the world in seconds. We can FaceTime with friends and relatives and mission partners all over the globe. We can know every statistic of every sporting team that seemingly has ever existed. We can keep up with the stock market on a moment-by-moment basis. We can know all the details of past historical events. You can even listen to any preacher you would like to this morning other than me, if you would so desire. Again, with all of that technology, with all of that information, it's pretty neat. And we should all enjoy it, and I think for the most part we all do. But 
in the midst of enjoying all of the information that is in front of us, we are faced every day, and I think every moment throughout the day, that we're not positively certain of what will take place in the next few minutes, let alone tomorrow. I can't even guarantee for sure that it's going to rain a few hours from now, even when it's supposed to. And here I think we find our problem. I confess I freely find my problem. With all of the increase in the knowledge that we possess, we are now more confident than ever in our personal control of all things around us. We are now more confident and arrogant, if you will, about the future of our lives, and yet our souls are painfully aware of the fact that we don't actually know what's going to occur in the future. And this tension, those two things happening at the same time, produces more anxiety inside of us than also that the world has ever known. See, I don't think we're at peace in our hearts. We're often in turmoil. I've entitled the sermon, What Are You Doing Tomorrow? And the reality is, none of us can know for certainty what any of us are doing tomorrow. And I think that unspoken reality combined with all the information that we possess at our fingertips, produces in our hearts a lack of peace which makes us restless and all the time. So, what will we do with the dilemma of tomorrow, the great unknown? Well, we're going to see the answer is not to decrease or get rid of all the knowledge at our fingertips. No, that's not going to help us. But rather, we need to increase our knowledge of what is true for tomorrow, and then build our lives accordingly. Our proverb this morning is meant to heal us of our anxiety of the future. It's meant to bring peace to our hearts and to our lives as we think about following the Lord with the rest of our lives. It will lead us to greater wisdom. That is the ability to see the world as God sees the world. And that has been the point of the study of Proverbs. So this morning, two points of teaching and then a few points of application at the end. Two points of teaching. First, the curse of tomorrow. And secondly, the glory of tomorrow. The curse and the glory. And my prayer has been, oh Lord, would you open our hearts and change them so that we would see our lives the way you see us. All right, first, let's consider the curse of tomorrow. Look back at the verse. We're told one simple thing here. Do not boast about tomorrow. That seems simple enough. The key word here is boast. And in this we find the secret of the proverb. The English word here boast derives from the Hebrew halal where we get the word hallelujah. This is a great word. It's used in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike. It's a time of celebration. When the time is right to recognize something or someone as praiseworthy, then we are to give a boast. The literal definition of boasting is essentially to offer celebration. And don't we all like that? For something that deserves our hearts to burst forth with confidence and to see something worthy of praise. Christians and non-Christians alike love this concept, this idea Hallelujah has been filled with our ancient hymns and even contemporary music. We all want our hearts to be so full of celebration because we are designed to enjoy those things which are praiseworthy. Thus, we love to celebrate. We're made in God's image. We're meant to enjoy all that he has done. On Easter morning, 
We will come together. We will lift our hallelujahs to celebrate the fact that Jesus has conquered the grave and sin has been defeated. We give our hallelujahs to God when we see or remember his acts as our king as he leads us. We give our hallelujahs when we marvel at creation and see its power and its glory and its beauty. Yet the proverb is clear. We do not offer our hallelujah. We do not boast. We do not celebrate to that which we do not know to be true. We do not give celebration to someone who does not have the ability to receive such praise. And who might that be? Of course, it is you and me. The second line of the proverb says this, you do not know what a day may bring. So understand the warning to us this morning. The warning is to us. Do not celebrate what you don't have the power to produce, which is everything in the future. Do not boast in your ability to do something that you don't have the ability to do. I think this message is particularly important for the proud and the arrogant. And fortunately for us, in the sinful condition of our hearts, traces of pride and arrogance still reside inside of us all. So we must accept what we already know to be true. We don't control tomorrow, not five minutes from now. We don't control any of it. Last month, uh, I uh, did a, a wedding down in Boyle County. On the Friday night, we were at the rehearsal dinner. It was kind of a, a perfect summer evening of church family that was having a wedding. We were down there, had a great night. Just kind of everything you would expect it to be. But it was out in the country, so we were driving home. And, of course, we used GPS with all the information that it possesses to bring us back. And it took us on a shortcut that was a very, very small country two-lane road. If I'm being honest, it was really more of a one-lane road. There were just no other cars on the road. But the road was blanketed with tall trees on both sides, and many of those reached over and kind of covered, blanketed uh, the street. Thinking of absolutely nothing other than driving on this little country road, Lisa and I had the radio on, we were talking, we were just driving home. When out of nowhere, a dead tree limb from above, as we were driving, crashed into our windshield, smashing the entire thing. To say that we were shaken up is an understatement. Physically, we were fine, but we were covered with glass. We got out of the car, we stopped, and all I could say is, what just happened? How did the tree limb land on us as we were moving? The chances of this happening are impossible, truly impossible. I don't know what numerically they are, but it was impossible. If I had been going just a half a second sooner or later, it wouldn't have happened. But there it was. It happened. I did not have one ounce of control at that minute, at that moment. So the evening that we had planned of going home and relaxing was all of a sudden changed where we were on the side of the road for hours waiting on a tow truck to come to the outskirts of Boyle County. AAA is not what they used to be. Let me tell you that. <laughs> However... The Lord did provide. <laughs> but I suspect every one of us in some way have similar stories to that where our lives were just interrupted in a moment's notice where something happened that was totally outside of our control. And in that moment, it really can produce a theological crisis in our hearts and in our minds. 
Is the Lord watching? Is the Lord alive? Is the Lord caring? And we know the answer, but yet we have no control over certain things. If I wanted to be a cruel pastor this morning, and I don't, I could start listing all the things that could possibly go wrong in your life later today. It could be the opposite of count your many blessings, name them one by one. It could be imagine all the problems, imagine them one by one. And if you did that, you would go utterly mad. So please don't, and I won't encourage it. But yet we know in our hearts that we're not sure what will happen tomorrow. The issue from our text is simply this. Do not celebrate what you cannot control. Do not brag. Do not presume. Do not boast. It will not lead to peace, but it will lead to calamity. Do not boast in your own ability to procure your own blessing because you can't do that. Again, friends, this is a curse. The GPS can lead me on a road, but I can't control the tree limb from falling on the car. We don't know what will happen tomorrow, even though we have more knowledge and more technology than ever. In James chapter 4, which Chuck just read for us, the same principle is highlighted, but even more clearly. In that passage, James makes the illustration of someone who is going on a personal business trip with the expectation of making a profit. There's nothing wrong with going on the trip. There's nothing wrong of hoping for a profit. In fact, there would be no reason to take the trip if you didn't hope that there would be a profit. Yet James warns to make those plans and to hold those expectations without simultaneously trusting God's will to achieve the result and simply to boast on your own gifting to accomplish it is evil. It's not just wrong. It's not just bad. It's not just sin. It's of the devil. That is to presume to know the future apart from God's ongoing grace is to walk in step with our enemy. So church, be warned. To live as if we have the future under our control is not to be wise, and rather it is to be foolish, and calamity will be our destiny. That's the warning. Peace does not come from foolishness. So that's the curse of tomorrow. Let's, on the other hand, consider the glory of tomorrow. And this is the good news. We've seen what we do not know. Now let's see the one who does. Our text says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow, thus implying there is one who knows everything about tomorrow. If we do not know what tomorrow will bring, then who does? Of course, it is our Lord. And it is here that we see not only are we allowed to boast, we are expected to boast. Scripture does not tell us not to brag. Scripture doesn't tell us not to be confident, but rather it is to whom we are to give our boast. See, church, every time we gather for worship, we include some form of a confession of faith, just as we've already done this morning. And in that, we recite week after week, year after year, generation after generation of what we believe to be true of the God of the universe who came to us in the form of a man. And in our confession, we state some ancient creed which declares both scriptural and theological beliefs in which the hope of our lives is found. This morning, we recited that we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, 
the maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. When we do that, we are boasting in our God who is not like us. We are boasting in the one who does, in fact, possess knowledge of the future. We are boasting in the one who does, in fact, control the future. I love Psalm 90. One of God's attributes here is included in this psalm. His, quote, eternal being. That is, that he existed in times past. He exists today. And he exists in the future. He's not like us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when King Jehoshaphat, the leader of the ancient uh, Judah land, when his army was going into battle to fight the Moabites, God told him this, Tomorrow, go out and fight, for the Lord will be with you. So the king today led the nation in singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Ever, You see, our boast, our celebration, our confidence is in fact real and it is strong because we are boasting in our king. We are absolutely a boasting group of people this morning. That is what we do when we gather for worship and we celebrate the greatness of what our Lord knows and what he does We brag on him. We express our confidence in him. And when our hearts are in alignment with the power and greatness of the Lord's provision for the future, that's when you have peace today. And it is a resolute peace that is a deep rest in our souls that God loves us and God is powerful. I really believe this. If we are going to experience that in our hearts, we have to accept the fact that this is a daily battle for control. Because we want to control tomorrow so badly, we must wrestle and fight against it today. This is a battle against the stubbornness of our hearts and the temptation of the evil one. C.S. Lewis said this, It's in his great essay on asking if Christianity is hard or easy. I love these words. Lewis said, I want to make it clear that this putting on Christ is not one of many jobs a Christian has to do. It is the whole of Christianity. Church, what do we do? We remind ourselves of what is true in Christ. This fact This struggle, this journey, this repetition is that we live by faith every single day in the eternal God who has given us his son. This is our life. This is our peace. This is our hope. This is what we do. In a word, this is our boast. We boast in what he has done. We boast in what he is doing. We boast in what he will someday do. He is our boast. He is our glory. Our eyes are now off ourselves, and they are fully on him. So let me ask you this morning, in light of this, what is producing anxiety in your life today as you think about tomorrow and the day after that? What prevents peace in your heart this morning? What is it that is in the future that you desperately are hoping will work out well 
but that you ultimately do not control the outcome at all. Can you name it? Can you own it? Can you recognize that it's there? Can you admit your total limitation to produce the final outcome while simultaneously celebrating Jesus' complete power to produce his good, his pleasing, his perfect will? You see, this is his heart for us. It's for him to be our boast, for him to be our confidence, for him to receive all glory, for us to trust him. So that is the curse, that is the promise, that is the glory of our boast. Let me conclude now before we come to the table with a few points of application that I want to offer you for when you start your day tomorrow, how will you look at your day? Three quick things here. Number one, make good plans. Seriously, make good plans. That is not a contradiction to this proverb. Whatever stage of life you are in, you should have good plans for your day, for your week, for your year, even for your life. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent will lead to an abundance. So for your work, for your education, for your money, for your vacations, for your exams, it honors the Lord to write them out and set good goals. Again, this is no contradiction. Rather, Scripture is filled with warnings about doing so in a positive way. Secondly, submit those plans to the Lord with your whole heart. Seriously, with all your heart, trust Him with those plans. That's what Proverbs 27 and James 4 is all about. The future belongs to Him, so give your heart to Him with these plans. Simply acknowledge to Him and to your own heart that you can only accomplish that which He intends for you to accomplish. You can't do any more. So as you start back to school, as you consider retirement, as you start your new position at work, pray to your Father in the name of His Son and trust that His Spirit is at work in your life. And when you do that, you are recognizing and honoring His rightful authority and peace will come to you as His child. So you make your plans, you submit them, and then lastly, you enjoy the outworking of his will. You enjoy his providence. You enjoy life that he has for you. You enjoy seeing what he will do, how he will bring about his plan in your life, in your family, in your ministry, whatever the case may be. You have planned, you have worked, you have prayed. Now you may live knowing that your father is in control of tomorrow. Now you can live in peace with how he reveals his good, his pleasing, his perfect plan. You know, things may go well and easy, or things may be challenging and heartbreaking. But either way, you belong to your heavenly father. His eyes will not be taken off of you. His love for you will not change, and you can trust him. The Apostle Paul had a great strategic plan you can read in Acts. His plan was to get to Rome. He prayed, he surrendered his plans to Jesus, and he made it to Rome. He did not plan on being shipwrecked. He didn't plan on any of the encounters he had. But the Lord fulfilled his plan in his way and his time. You see, the Lord sees us. The Lord is with us. The Lord will not leave us. And make no mistake... There is another boast in which we cannot forget as we prepare to come to this table. And that is your heavenly father, your heavenly father's boast this morning. 
When he looks upon you and he sees the righteousness of his son covering you, your heavenly father celebrates that you belong to him. That is the ultimate boost. We live in confidence because of how the father looks at us in the son. And know this, your father's not worried about tomorrow. He's not. So we could live at peace today. And we will celebrate that now as we prepare our hearts to feast with the one who is in control of all things. Let me pray and ask the Lord to prepare us to come to his feasting table. Lord Jesus, we do not know what will happen later today. We do not know about tomorrow. But what we do know is that you are our king, that you are sovereign, that you are good, and that you have revealed your ongoing love to us in Christ. Our hope is in you, Father. We pray now that you would bless the feeding of our souls as we gather around your table. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.